Hey listeners, it's time to bring back the interview on IT Kit. We're here with Lauren Tebbs of Keep Truckin' Today on the IT Kit podcast, who I am always excited to talk with. She's worked in IT across multiple sectors with one of the most comprehensive approaches to managing her departments I've ever seen. Plus, she's absolutely indomitable. Lauren, thank you for joining me. It's always a pleasure. Hey, Erin. I'm really happy to be here. Really excited to talk to you as always. Yeah, we're going to dive right into it. Your time is precious. You have many reports and much to do and a whole bunch of users that you support. So I just want to cover like all of the stuff because I know that your story is pretty awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, how you got into IT and how that's led you to keep trucking? Yeah, so I kind of kind of got into IT by accident. So it was always I liked computers, loved video games, repaired my own video games quite often. Never really considered it as a career. I just thought it was something fun. Even though I really wanted to, you know, have a career in things that I enjoy, it just never really occurred to me to go into that space. So after university, which I did not go for computer science, I ended up grabbing a job, just a job in tech support for phone support. So CS is kind of how I really got in a little bit. And then the first recession hit in 2008 and everyone was unemployed. And I figured this is a a good time to maybe learn a few new things and try and get a new job. And I was really fortunate to get a desktop support gig. I honestly, I just never looked back. I started out at the bottom and just started working my way through and here I am. But it's been interesting because I have gotten to go through so many different industries because I love being in IT because that means I could help any company. Every company needs IT. There's always a puzzle to solve. There's always something fun to do. There's always a solution you need to come up with. And I really like that there's always something new every single day. There's no you know, drudgery of the same thing over and over again. Every day I go in, something new, something new happened and I got to figure it out. And that is my, probably my favorite part of it. So I guess I got a little addicted to problem solving and haven't really left IT since. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's also like not beat around the bush here. The places that you have worked are pretty big names in the industry. You had time at Blend, you've done some time at Okta. Do you think that working at both the variety of places that you've spent time, but also in the capacity that you've grown with each one of those positions has informed the decisions that you've made both in your career, as well as your decision to join a company like Keep Trucking? Uh, Absolutely. Honestly, every time I go someplace, I take that with me. And it's really been interesting. Like when I was working at Okta, that emphasis on security, all the integrations, trying to get everything to work together, that kind of became something core that I now take with me. But then When you go to another industry that's completely different, like Blend, for example, that does amazing things in the mortgage industry, you're now working with a different industry, banking, which is not as welcoming to some of this bleeding edge technology that I was seeing. They want new things, but not everything the way we were used to. So you have to kind of adapt of what the company needs. And also, it really informed how I operated how can I best serve my internal customers? Because my customers are the staff at every company. So how am I getting them what they need? Do they need software? Do they need hardware? Do they need security? Sometimes they need all of those things all at once. Sometimes they're not sure what they need. When I pick companies, I have kind of a really odd criteria in my head. I have kind of certain rules that I have when I pick a company. And it really is where I like to be. I prefer enterprise style companies. I would love to be in gaming and I was very briefly and that was a ton of fun, but there wasn't as much stability there. And you can get that from enterprise. So I decided I wanted to be in that area. 
And then once you're in that, you sit there and you start looking at, okay, this company I'm going to, what kind of problem are they solving for? Are they solving for a problem that has always existed and no one's ever tackled it before? Or are there multiple competitors in, in that area? Are they the top competitor in that area? Or are they new and they've got an even better idea and they're starting from scratch? And it really kind of depends where you want to be on that level. How early in do you want to be? Do you want to be when there's only 60 people? Uh, maybe more, uh, a little bit more structure at like 300 to 500? Or do you want to get into like the mid-level and the 700 to 1,000? How many policies do you want to make? Do you want to build it completely from scratch? Or do you want to start where there's already something and you want to help revise and refine? And sometimes you get to evolve. I've been very fortunate like with Okta to help see that from very small to much, much bigger. And that was something I was looking for actually when I was looking for Keep Trucking was they were right in that sweet spot where they had things in place, but there was so much more that could be done to make things efficient and secure and productive and make things very seamless. That work hadn't been done yet. And I really wanted to do that. That stuff's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, there's there's a couple components that I hear in there from you, which I think are really interesting. There's this thread throughout your narrative that suggests that the companies you want to work with and for and do great things to make them better at what they do are all with a focus on accessibility. You know, the the end product may change, whether that's physical or intangible. There's a place for you to align the values that I know you bring to Mm -hmm. IT with what they're doing in terms of product, which I think is really cool. There's also this nugget that I hear you say about, you know, the ways that you then take all of that and apply it to development and the way that you approach IT now from your position, which is a global director, right? You've evolved from this place where you are doing a lot of the technical work and the technical know-how that you talk about in terms of problem solving, and you've reshaped that in your current position. I would love to talk about that because I know that something that people talk about pretty frequently are pathways in IT Mm -hmm. and how you can make a decision whether or not you want to remain technical or go into a non-technical path and what that actually looks like. And you have modeled this. So tell me a little bit about your experience around that. And I mean, obviously we want to, I would, I, I want to get out of you all of the advice that you have for someone, you know, who might be considering this or considering like what their options are and how mm-hmm. nebulous those are too. You yeah. Know, you decided a lot of these things on your own. Yeah. And, and this is nebulous and this is not an, a decision to be taken lightly. That's, that's one thing that I think, I think people think it's, oh, you just make a decision or, uh, oh, you've been here for a really long time. So you just go into management or you don't want to be in management. So you just stay <laughs> on a technical track. Totally. And, and that's normal. Like a lot of people and, and not just in IT, but it, it's maybe very, in my eyes, it's very apparent in IT is there's this struggle. You have this feeling where you started out at a certain level, like maybe you started out as a network engineer, or maybe you started out as uh, tier one desktop support. And you're like, okay, I was just striving to be the level three. And now, now what? I got here. Now where do I go? There's so many options to choose from. Some people feel like there's nothing to do after that. And that is so far from the truth. But it's actually, in my eyes, the opposite. It's like overwhelming. Which one do I pick? I want to do all of them, but I cannot do all of them because I can't do all of them well. I can only do a few of those things or choose one of those roles. So the, probably the first thing you really need to decide and accept is you cannot be, you yourself as one person cannot be the IT department. 
it was a tough decision for me. It goes back to my customers. How am I helping them? Am I helping them to the best of my ability? Is being that technical person the best thing for the company I'm at at this moment in time for the department I'm in at that time? And I came to the realization the answer was no. I, I am more helpful being strategic. I am more helpful because I've seen a lot of these things know where they're going to go, that I can maybe help make those decisions earlier on. And I can help guide other people that way. And going into management was the right decision and becoming more strategic was the right decision for me. It's okay to pivot. It's okay to change your mind. Because if you decide that something's not for you, the worst thing you can do is keep trying to bang your head against the wall doing it. That's not going to make you like it more. So it's okay to make a mistake too. Yeah. I mean, it's a statement of curiosity too, Mm -hmm. right? Similarly, you do manage teams on multiple continents. And I'm really curious how that has changed the way that you have traditionally managed, particularly because the people that you have are in very different cultural touch points. I'll preempt that we're probably going to get into like how this plays into the actual IT model, Mm -hmm. right? Like how has this changed how you've done distribution and platform and your supply chain and all of that. But we'll get there in a minute. Of course. Yeah, it's definitely been interesting. And I really enjoyed it. I really have my first my first time actually managing folks internationally when at Okta, when we started managing folks in the UK. And that was interesting. I mean, just juggling the time zones as we tried to get and we had folks in, you know, in Sydney, and we just had somebody everywhere. And even just trying to have a team meeting was difficult. But keep trucking. Most of my staff is actually based in Pakistan. I've got a wonderful team in Islamabad and in Lahore. We are a 24 hour shop. So we've always got people online. There's always something going on. But yes, there's different, there's different cultural things to, you know, be acknowledging of, like, I want to make sure that I'm very sensitive. I have people who have different, you know, backgrounds in different places in their lives. You know, when we're doing building spaces, even building the office itself, there are things to take into account. We've done multiple office builds internationally as I've been here. And as we build them, are there prayer rooms? This is a Muslim country. It's a dry country. So no alcohol. Alcohol is a big part of the startup culture in the US. It is not over there. So that's something to be sensitive to. I make sure my managers over here are sensitive to the fact that we're not just sitting around talking about alcohol all the time. It's just not polite to the other team. But I need to be aware to do that. And then when they come to work, they can just work because all those other things They don't have to worry about this. They're taken care of. Just to clarify too, like your shop doesn't opt to run 24 hours just because of the time difference. It's a huge component of the work that Mm -hmm. Keep Trucking does, both part of the product as well as like part of the response to that product, right? So you're taking into account a bigger part of the business impact that you need mm-hmm. to be ready to provide. Absolutely. Our, our truckers, there's, there's always a trucker taking a load somewhere, someplace in the world, and he needs to make sure that he can contact us if something's wrong and he can't log his hours. Someone needs to be able to pick up that phone and help them. And that's a big deal. And that availability is really important to keep trucking. We want to make sure our customers always know this and get a hold of us whenever they need us at any time. And I want to make sure that my customers, my internal customers know IT is here to help them at any time. Because if they're trying to pick up that phone call and their laptop dies, we're there for them no matter what. Yeah. 
Well, this is this is a, a, a great opportunity for it to me to showcase my ability to seg into a new topic, but this is kind of <laughs> supply chain related. Ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what you're saying is there's a waterfall effect of everything that is related to the core function of your business, but that also applies to the way that you have impact on that and your team has impact on that. So let's talk about that because mm-hmm. that comes with its own set of challenges, right? In oh, terms yeah. of physical supply chain which I do want to get your perspective on both because that is a core feature of the product. So you have a really interesting take on that. But there's also this component of, you know, like you have this international team and you have hardware and services that you have to deploy to them in a different way. And you also have the intangible part of that of now you're talking about different requirements for business, depending on who they're supporting and where they're supporting. Let's wrap all that up and put it into the question, what are the biggest challenges that come from that? Or what, if we're going to dial in a little bit, Mm -hmm. rather than approaching it only from the place of challenge, what have you found has been most effective in unifying the way that you direct and strategize about deployment and making sure that there is accessibility to the tools that everyone needs and how to respond in those crises as well. I imagine that that is a very different flavor depending on where you are and who you're supporting. Yeah, there's always challenges and there's some of the traditional ones that a company that's growing as rapidly as Keep Trucking has and that balancing productivity and accessibility with security. And that's starting to put in security rules and features when there wasn't any previously. And of course, having to educate the staff about security while we do that. And then there's the good old fun thing, reducing costs, which everybody is obviously doing. Well, I'm always doing that. I mean, I know everyone's having to renew emphasis on it right now. That has always been a pet peeve side project of mine for forever. Because one of my biggest things that drives me nuts is we have too much redundant SaaS. Everybody has too much redundant SaaS. <laughs> I swear this is probably my, my perpetual suffering. Wherever I go, this is going to be the thing I keep you know, going on and on and on about. We do not need five of the same tool. I know you all like it, but you need to pick like one or two. And I get we might not all be able to be on Jira. That's totally understandable. But I need your use case. You need to have a reason and it needs to be a reason other than I just like it more. I'm not going to spend $500,000 just because you, you, one person likes it more. So we're, like you said, we're in an interesting you know, situation with some of these challenges because not only are we struggling to get hardware for our staff, but you have to try and find hardware to build our products. We started seeing this, these things happening a lot earlier than people think. You know, my Pakistan team started sending me messages. We're shutting down trade with China. They're going to close the border with them. We're, we're not going to be able to buy hard phones. We're not going to be able to buy laptops from our normal vendors. And we had to find new vendors. Are we going to import from Dubai? Are we going to source locally? Like, what are we going to do? I had to start sending messages to the onboarding team saying, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to give you laptops for new hires in time. I don't know when I'm going to be able to get more. People really started noticing outside of IT when Apple started closing its factories. But it, it was definitely starting to happen before then. And this, this, the hoarding started. People started to grab things. And then we had to start resetting expectations. Like, are we going to keep hiring as rapidly as we do? And, you know, that week and a half turnaround time I usually have for a new hire, that's three weeks now. Like, we just can't. Like, I can give them the SaaS, I can give them the access, but I can't promise them a laptop because I don't know if I can get them. Uh, And we only have so much in surplus. And then, of course, you know, we all had to go 
completely remote. And that was a monumental effort. We all dropped everything. It wasn't just us. Everybody in IT dropped whatever they were doing to get people online at home. And that had its own challenges by region, wherever we were in not just the United States, in Pakistan, everywhere, trying to figure out, do people have stable home internet connections? Do I need to buy them one? How can they have redundancy? Should I buy them two? Should I get them a hotspot and a hardwire connection? Like, what are what are we thinking here? Are we going to stress test this? We had to test everything over and over again and keep checking in with the executive management, keep communicating, not just IT, but like with our office, our incredible office managers over in PK and every place, just like, how are people doing? Can they connect? Speed tests for every single employee to see if they could actually do what they needed to do at home. And that was a monumental effort that happened really fast. And so that was a big challenge that we handled really successfully. But like, now that we've settled in and people working from home, it's back to, sorry, you can't buy this thing. We already have five. (laughs) It's weird to go from that crazy insanity, everyone drop everything to, yeah, that MSA, we're not so sure about it. It seems a little weirdly mundane after all that. Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's it's especially weird because you go through this like whole monumental revamp essentially of like some of the risk assessment that we have in place and mm-hmm. our roles and the response expectations. And then you look at them and you're like, well, okay, obviously we can't avoid talking about COVID at least a little bit because it did drastically change mm-hmm. literally every way that we knew and expected that we were going to respond even when it was in turn, like in response to crisis. Mm-hmm. So, so like you go through this whole like monumental mountain of change and then it goes back to a certain sense of normalcy just in a relative sense of distribution right Mm -hmm. like it's like the methods of accessibility of change but you're still in the process of going through like the same day-to-day because like business still has to go on in the form that we can continue to support it you and I got into this a little bit as we've talked outside of the scope of this pod this is also shifting literally everything that you're thinking about next. And this is top of mind for everybody, right? We're like, we're going to pivot back into a place that is going to be completely unknown. We don't know what the future of work looks like. People are starting to try and figure that out. We're also dealing with the legality of that. But like, how much of this are you expecting will change your roadmap? And then along with that, what are you thinking about in the short term? Because I know Mm -hmm. that's the next big questions that we're all going to be discussing. Mm -hmm. And you, again, have a global response that you have to do with a lot of stringent requirements. Yeah. And I honestly- Help us. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know if I can because everyone doesn't know, but I'll I'll tell you what I'm doing. I literally, I thought about it after, after I resurfaced from the phone migration last week was- I decided to scrap my roadmap completely. I'm going to rebuild it from scratch starting next week. I sat down with all of my IT managers globally. I said, I'm going to open it up to the entire IT team, our whole staff. And I go, everything's out the window. Let's pretend we have no roadmap. and never did. And I want everything you're seeing right now. If you need it, if you want it, if you want this project, what do you guys think is the most important things we need to have right now? And we've got a running collaborative document that's literally being filled out in real time right now where we're going to meet on it in our department meeting next week. And we're going to we're going to talk about it and we're going to reprioritize everything because we're in the post-COVID world. A lot of people keep saying and it's a little strange, like, oh, when, th- when we go back to the office, when things go back to normal, that normal, that reality is gone now. There are moments that happen in history where we can't go back, and this is one of them. And like 
how did air travel change after 9-11? Did it ever go back to the way it was before? It didn't. Ever. It's different now. And it always will be. Yeah, we remember that. But that's the way it was. We adapted. And that's what humans do. Humans are really good at adapting. And so are IT folks. IT folks adapt very, very well. We have that moment of, oh, God, what are we going to do? And then we, we figure it out because that's how we cope with the unknown is we figure it out and come up with a plan. So we now that our company's priorities have shifted, ours must as well. We can't just keep trying. Yes, there's some stuff that still just has to happen. Obviously, everyone's still got some projects in flight that maybe customers need. You still got to do some security RFPs. They still got to happen. You still have an audit that's happening. Those things have to continue. But if it's not as high priority for the company anymore, then it's got to leave the list. Cost savings, again, is top of mind for a lot of people. We can't just buy things. I'm cutting things, but I am buying some new things. I'm looking at more security tools. I was already doing that anyway, but it shifted the priority of them. Maybe some things that were going to happen in Q4, I want them in like ASAP now. What the real key here is, is communication. You really got to communicate with the upper management, with the other teams, and listen to them. What are they saying? What kind of tickets are coming into our queue? What could we be giving them that would make this easier for them in any possible way? That's going to help guide our new priorities. And even the priorities, like the, the suggestions that my entire staff are providing on this document, I'm seeing a lot of thoughtfulness there processes and policies that they're suggesting, which those are really easy because I don't have to buy anything for that, but also like deeper integrations into current tools. Taking a second pass at a project maybe we already did that if we had just gone a little deeper might be more helpful now instead of starting something new. There's lots of different things we can do and having really tight communication with all those different departments is really helpful, particularly like workplace and HR, I want to hear from them because they're like my team, talk to everybody. So I want to hear it from the staff, but the staff needs to know that they have to tell us and they're not just going to file a ticket. It's going to be a lot more of a strategic talk than that. I am willing to blow up anything if it becomes the highest priority. So there's definitely a lot of roll with it. There's just a roll with the punches and knowing that there is no playbook right now, we're going to have to write it. That's, that's, so scary, right? Like just being like, well, throw it all out the window, you know, and and sure, unprecedented times definitely give you the opportunity, right? It's both, it's both really terrifying, but it's also a great opportunity because mm. it does let you get down to brass tacks. And to your point earlier about the proliferation of your tools, you've also provided more efficiency and more structure around what is actually available to build in that infrastructure. So in some ways, there's a sense of unity that you're going to get out of this. Mm-hmm. What's really fascinating about it is a strategic play book is reactive, but this process and procedure Mm. is very proactive, Yeah, which is a strange shift. Your team is in this doc right now, writing out everything that they see as potentially critical or needs to be prioritized. And they're the ones taking the proactive approach, whereas normally we'd associate help desk with reactivity, having to constantly do a left turn to make Mm -hmm. sure that they have the things that they need to get their job done and then have that extend out into your customer base, which is bonkers. Strange. I like it. I've actually been really enjoying not the COVID part or all the crazy, but I've enjoyed blowing up my roadmap. It was weirdly refreshing because, you know, I, I selected it and built it in a world that doesn't exist anymore for a, a roadmap of my company that 
doesn't apply anymore. Now that everything changed, I can do anything in a weird way. Not really. You can't actually do anything, but I feel like I mean, you can dream. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) If I dream, I'd have an unlimited budget and I have, oh, I have things I'd buy. But still, it's this feeling of nothing is off the table. I want to hear everything because there was always these prerequisites. No, no, no. I don't want you to think about that. Just ideas. Just things that'll help. Get all the raw excitement and problem solving nerdiness that my team is so awesome at. Get it all on a list. And then let me look at it, think about it, formulate it, and then talk with other teams and get that information and go, let's make something totally new. That is so cool. It's so exciting because that's part of what I love to do. I'm sad that it took something of this magnitude to do something like that. But you, you can rise from the ashes from it and rebuild and it will be better, stronger. You'll think of things differently. Everyone's going to think of things differently. This is a forced evolution whether we wanted it or not and you know what these are those moments we can really learn something that is going to really help you in your career we're all I'm learning things just as my team's learning things as the rest of the managers are learning things as all of us are right now there's no I mean quote-unquote perfect pandemic IT playbook for a global for a global pandemic. I mean, we got a couple of people who've taken a stab at a good as zombie apocalypse one, I'm not going to lie. But no one could predict this. So now we have to operate from an area of we can't predict what's happening. So how would we handle it if we just can't predict anything? What if something crazy happens every single day and we just need to roll with it? How do we roll with it to keep everyone online productive and happy and safe? How do we do that? And I want to hear everything. You're talking about modeling a really deep cross-collaborative approach to IT, which is something that we were kind of on the precipice of before this, too. Mm -hmm. Like We were very much getting into being embedded with core business and making sure that our strategy aligned with that or played into that in a more proactive way. But it feels like what this really is and what you're saying is that you know, the first time that you have the opportunity to handshake with somebody is at the help desk, it's tier one, and that making sure that that has the same application all the way through all of your tiers of support, and then even into like your engineering practices within IT is critical for this to be successful and come out on the other end, because everybody else's roadmap is blown up too. That's the read between the lines that you're saying is like, nobody's roadmap within your company right now is going to look like it did even a week ago. Yeah. And you, you don't necessarily know what it's going to look like next week or two weeks from now, because you're still, we're all still trying to figure out what stability we're going to have when we get to that place. Yeah. And and, and that, and the thing that I think frightens a lot of people is there is no end date to this. This wasn't like, well, use 9-11 as another reference is, an event happened and we had to respond and react, but the event happened and then was over and we had to deal with the aftermath. This is ongoing with no potential end in sight that people see until there's a vaccine. And at the end of the day though, that, that world is now gone and we have to adapt and that's how things are going to be. Like working from an office is changing forever. Now, even if say, say, say everybody opens up tomorrow Who's going to be comfortable being on public transit less than an inch from somebody? Not very many people. 
People are going to need to adapt their workspaces. I think a lot of people are going to uh, move out of spaces and allow either all 100% telework or allow optional telework companies that weren't as uh, open to that have no choice because all those old excuses of, oh, oh, we don't telework here. You can't work from home. Well, why not? The entire world's doing it right now. So there's no reason not to. IT needs to now recognize the fact that we should be getting, you know, home desk setups as bundles ready to go with our hardware because that's the way it's going to be now. Even IT people, we're going to probably want staggered work from home days. And we have to do that with the workplace team, the HR team, the finance team, upper executive leadership, everybody. And we all have to kind of figure out as it happens. And I feel like IT people are so good at that because we're so used to just figuring it out. So the cool thing is IT is in a really cool position to really help transform whatever company you're in right now. I feel like you shouldn't be afraid to come up with a crazy idea right now. Everybody's ideas are crazy and it's a crazy time. So like, what what do you have to lose by bringing something up? The worst case is you get a no. Like, it's, an, it's just an idea. And that's no different than it used to be, right? Like the worst case scenario was always no. Yeah, and, and I mean, but people didn't, everyone was so structured, I feel like before now people, were afraid of that no. Like it would reflect badly that they even asked, which is, that always makes me sad. I always love to hear everyone's ideas, whether it's a yes or a no. I'm happy to explain why something can or can't work. It doesn't matter. Like I just want them to ask because they're thinking about it. It's that simple. It was only ever going to be a yes or a no. You weren't going to get punished just for asking a question. So ask. <laughs> That's a good thing. Totally. I'm more worried when totally. people don't ask because they're sitting here going, "Why aren't they asking questions? What's wrong?" I did not. I didn't explain it. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Am I crazy? Yeah. I'm. I'm almost like lament asking another question because it's such a great positive place to end. So we'll wrap up with another. <laughs> positively ending question so everybody can walk away being like really stoked and really invigorated because I know I am. I hope I delivered that every time I talk to you, it just makes me feel so good. So like with this, with all this chaos that we are dealing with, particularly around our work, what are you most excited about? Because you're talking about having this whole table available full of ideas, but what is exciting you right in this moment or that you know that you and your team are going to tackle next that's got you really jazzed? And like, what are you looking forward to? Like, what's that thing? I'm looking, I'm, oh God, it's so, I'm, I'm excited about so many things, excited and, uh, and scared and everything just like everybody else is. There's so much there and it's, there's so many things to pick from. There's this, this thought of even the startup environment, even everything in Silicon Valley, all that's now going to change too. Not just IT, but like this, you know, everyone's looking for a unicorn. I was reading some articles recently. It's not going to be unicorns anymore. It's going to be camels. Can you last for a long time? Can you last for a long time? Can you wait it out? Maybe it takes longer to get where you need to go, but you plan for it better. You you had more areas of mild discomfort instead of several up downs that were really catastrophic and seeing where that goes because we're all going to come out of this we are all going to come out of this because the world goes on no matter how. i want to see where we go i want to see what i can build keep trucking into i want to see how adaptable the it team is after this i'm excited because it cleared out everything and suddenly priorities became very clear survival is number one but you can do a lot of cool things while surviving. You don't have to just be miserable forever. I want people to feel like when we got out of this, that we didn't just survive it. We 
we adapted and became incredible from it. We became stronger from it instead of just getting through it. That's what I'm really excited about. I, I want to see where the tech goes because the tech's going to adapt to this. It's going to be a cool place to, to, to analyze. So I, I'm just really excited to see how this all plays out. It's a giant puzzle that's all slowly coming together. And then someone flipped the table over and all the pieces fell everywhere. And now I have to put, <laughs> we're all trying to put it back together, but it's a different picture. And you couldn't just put it back exactly how you just did. So that's going to be really Oh my cool. God, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so good. Well, that's a great place for us to end this conversation as much as that pains me to say. Are you open to intros? Can I throw that out there for people? Yes, you can definitely uh, shoot me some messages. I do try and check. I don't uh, go on social media very often, but I am on LinkedIn. That is the only thing that I do check as regularly as I can. Awesome. Well, Lauren... Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for taking the time during the middle of your day, during a very busy time for all of us. We will keep on watching what you're doing because it sounds awesome. Well, I always appreciate talking with you. We always have fun talking shop. So anytime.